Welcome back. You're listening to the 123 Show this afternoon with me, Karen Coe. It is five past two. And since it's Friday, it's time for our regular Frisky Friday segment, our weekly segment about sex and sexuality. And today we're talking about BDSM and other deviant sexual fantasies. If you don't know what BDSM is, stay tuned. You're going to find out. You're going to learn. And what do these fantasies tell us about ourselves? And is there such a thing as as being normal. And we're thrilled to be joined in the studio by registered psychotherapist and chartered psychologist, Dr. Eslyn Terragina. Eslyn, thank you for coming in. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about BDSM. Um, I think first we have to define it because not everybody knows what it is. So, so give us a, a view of what it is. Also, I'll tell people that we're on Facebook Live. So if you go to my Facebook page, Karen uh, on RTHK Radio 3, you can see and hear Eslyn there. So what is... Here she is. What is BDSM? Um, so BDSM is is somewhat a sexual practice. It's known as a sexual practice, and it's an acronym that stands for bondage and discipline, um, dominance, submission, and sadomasochism. Um, so what are those things? Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> well, first of all, I think it's really important to point out it's it's obviously a sexual practice that's happening between between two consenting adults. So it's all consensual which I think some people get confused or worried about a little bit because there is a dominant role and there is a submissive role. Um, so it, it's basically the key of BDSM is power play. Now it acknowledges the power dynamics in relationships that we have in all relationships, mm. um, but in BDSM they are defined. So you have a top or a dominant or a dom and a bottom or a submissive or a sub. Uh, the dominant being the one who's in charge, who's taking control, who has the power in that power dynamic, whereas the sub sorry, <laughs> the submissive one is the one who um, does not have the power, right. does not have the control, and consensually submits to the wishes of the dominant partner. Okay, so the word consent is really important because I think in media and um, in pop culture, maybe the, the, the thing that people associate with BDSM when they hear it is Fifty Shades of Grey, the books and the movie, um, and master and slave kind of relationships. Which, what do you think of those images? Are they really, you know, portraying an inaccurate kind of um, uh, view of BDSM? Um, I think it depends a little bit. Uh, first of all, you've got the dom and sub role, and you can also switch between those roles. So in a partnership, you don't have to decide on one of those. Um, the thing with those kind of relationships is they are, they don't have to be so extreme. They don't have to be, you know, you're going to be tied up 24-7 in a basement. Right. And, you know, even if you enjoy that, power to you, but that's not really what it's about. It can be very subtle. It can be, a, you know, a very subtle, calm, spoken order that can get people excited because the role play has begun, that kind of thing. So it doesn't have to be master-slave. Um, another thing just to bang on about consent for a second is that in some of the Fifty Shades of Grey scenarios, consent wasn't entirely clear. Um, now the BDSM community would not um, accept that, right. would not, you know, rules are very clear, consent is very clear, some people choose to have a safe word, some people choose to um, just set certain boundaries and those boundaries are respected. So if someone says no about something, there's no, oh, but let's try it and oh, can you do me this favour? That's not quite how it should work. Obviously, it, you know, in different relationships, different boundaries are um, maybe pushed. But so yeah. it is a very uh, rule-based set of uh, behaviours, I guess. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's also about setting the scene. So again, you don't just throw someone into the basement, tie them up and beat them. Um, that's not... I mean, that's not again, turning anyone yeah, on. <laughs> exactly. That's not, it, it's about setting the scene of that power dynamic, setting the scene of um, I'm the one in charge and you're the one who's submitting to me or vice versa. Um, and again, that can be through anything. Of course, also BDSM in the practice does include things like um, bondage, so ropes, um, Bondage actually is also about art. So mm. the Japanese have, have have a very artistic way of um, of tying someone up, um, and again, it's quite rule based, and they're very particular about that art. So they'll have um, only one knot, I think it is, per per the whole the whole tying up oh, situation. Really? Um, obviously, that might be a bit different depending on the practice. But um, so there's things like that uh, that's obviously involved. And then people, some people use hitting in implements, uh, whips, um, floggers right. and, and canes, that kind of thing, or tying people up to something. Um, and it, it's a very versatile community. Mm. Um, so it can be anything from just a calm order and someone else um, executing that order all the way to um, you know pleasure pain games right. and, and these kind of things. So it's very versatile. It's not just one thing. So so do, is pain always necessarily involved or necessarily um, either a goal or an outcome? Uh, no, I mean it depends absolutely on on what what the partners are into. Um, some people prefer humiliation. Mm. Um, some people prefer pain or administering pain or receiving pain. So it doesn't have to be part of it. Um, it typically is for a lot of, of couples, but it doesn't have to be. So why do people um, like BDSM? What are the psychological reasons or emotional, mental reasons? Mm. Um, so it's actually a very, there's been a few studies done that are actually very interesting. Um, the one, looking at the dominant part, so that is said that um, when a dominant partner begins with that role play, they experience something that people call like a mindful flow, an energy flow, um, it basically just says getting in the zone. Mm. Um, and they compare this to uh, athletes when they get in the zone and everything else sort of falls away and they're focused. And it makes a lot of sense because um, that's what a dominant partner would be doing. They're focusing on their submissive partner. They're focusing on the body language. Um, it is a, a couple's activity, right? And if it's done in the right, safe, healthy kind of way, um, the do both partners will be looking out for each other's feedback. In particularly, the, uh, in particular, the dominant partner who has the control, who has the the power for that time, will always be looking out and really focusing on, you know, bringing pleasure to the submissive partner um, and making sure that everything's safe and, and mm. set. So the dominant day. partner is is really supposed to take care of the sub submissive partner. Yeah, absolutely, because they're they're going to be instrumental to. Um, helping the submissive partner enjoy, relax, um, have that pleasure pain um, kind of continuum, if you so will. Um, now, the submissive partner, on the other hand, um, such studies have shown that they go into a stage of um, what's called, in a really, really sexy way, transient hyperfrontality. Wow. Um, so there's a bit of neuroscience for you. Um, it, which means, which also again has been linked to other other things like going to the gym and really powering yourself out or going for a really long run. Um, it means that the kind of the frontal areas, um, the executive functioning areas of your brain, they slow down a little bit. Um, and because because there's 
adrenaline there's there's endorphins um there's also oxytocin um which is the the love hormone mm. if you so will um which helps with bonding and and in the partnership so all those those hormones will lead to that transient hyperfrontality which can induce a state of peace and calm and um just feeling on top of the world or feeling floaty that kind of thing wow. um so that's where that's why a submissive partner i suppose would be getting into that oh, interesting so given that um, emotionally you know obviously physically some people who uh, practice this it makes them feel good not just you know mentally but hormonally they're mm-hmm. actually getting these feel-good hormones why is it so uh, underground and seen as uh, weird or abnormal mm. um, well I think everything that's not quite standard and mainstream and that has a bit of an you know, unclear element to it naturally becomes a scary thing. Um, In the Diagnostic Statistic Manual, which we use um, for diagnosis uh, in therapy, um, it used to be, much like homosexuality actually, it used to be um, a disorder. Mm, Um, It's been changed now and um, there's a a section in it that uh, says it's, there are, um, say, say, disorders and things like that but only if they you know if you're hurting someone else or if you're hurting yourself or if it's dysfunctional or if it's affecting your life in a, in a negative way or that of someone else um, but actual BDSM is no longer classified um, as a disorder and I think that's just with the moving times as people understand it better um, and also there's more neuroscientific research that shows what the brain how the brain responds it links it to evolution you know the the act of procreation and, mm-hmm. and the act of taking and things like that um, another thing that that science has shown is in particular for the submissive part but also for the dominant part um, there's a heightening of sensations right so if you interact with a, another human body you tease it you give it different kind of um, sensations be it gentle be it painful be it pressure um, any kind of teasing any anticipation it keeps heightening the response of the body now of course if you add pain into that or a factor of humiliation it's the brain recognizes that as a threat which again heightens the sensations of right. the body and heightens the sensations for the person um, and then ultimately that then has those very, um, I suppose, satisfying or gratifying hormones that are released um, mm. because the body is so, so sensitive at that stage. So it's also playing a little bit with our fight-flight system, right, yeah. which can be very um, interesting. And other people might go and do bungee jumping or jump out of an aeroplane to get a similar kind of um, transient hyperfrontality as you would uh, during BDSM. Mm, interesting. Now, um, we know Hong Kong used to have... Uh, quite open BDSM scene many years ago and that was put to an end uh, when the police famously raided uh, this business which was called Fetish Fashion and when they raided the business they found that there was um, a a dungeon party taking place and everybody got arrested and there was a trial and then all the charges were dismissed but it really sent everything uh, underground. Um, Do you know where the BDSM is popular in Hong Kong? Uh, I don't actually, to be honest. I know that there are groups. Um, I think one of them. I mean, there are get-togethers. Actually, all of the groups that exist do organise get-togethers for like-minded people. Um, for me, from a client perspective, I wouldn't say so much BDSM. But what I have noticed is that with clients, not just in Hong Kong, um, but all over the world, the clients that I've had, um, sometimes 
you know, they can be in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s even, there, there's something about shame around fantasies and shame around being allowed to express those fantasies. And a lot of people don't express them, even with their sexual partners, even with their, you know, if they're married and they've been married for years, they still haven't been able to seek that conversation. Um, so I can't really say whether BDSM is particularly popular, but um, what I do notice is that people don't speak about their sexual fantasies mm. a lot, um, and BDSM being one of those. Um, right, okay. Well, let's talk a bit, a bit more about that, because, you know, we... We're going to talk about deviant sexual fantasies, deviant in inverted commas. But what is deviant and what is normal? I mean, is is there such a thing? Um, I mean, studies would probably say no. There's no such thing as, as deviant as long as it is between consenting adults and both are happy with the situation. Um, I mean... There's been studies done on on people who practice BDSM and compared them to a control group who have maybe more a conventional or vanilla sex. Mm -hmm. um, and they found, because one of the big, big myths around BDSM is, is that you would have had to experience some sort of abuse and that it's all so twisted and right. things like that. So it's something in your past has caused, caused you to want you. this. That's right. right, yes. Caused you to want to abuse someone or be abused. Be abused. Okay. Um, which BDSM, because it's so rule-based, is very far from that. Um, but anyways, these studies have compared people who are BDSM practitioners to a control group of, of vanilla sex people, and uh, they found no difference in their experience of trauma or abuse or childhood trauma or sexual trauma, any of these things. Um, and that it was quite a large sample. I think it was well over 10,000. It was a telephone, um, telephone questionnaire. Um, so... And, you know, other studies have been done that have compared BDSM practitioners to um, control groups on terms in terms of neuroticism, anxiety, depression, um, openness to new experience, etc. And really, there, there hasn't been a, so much of a difference between those groups, with the exception, actually, that the BDSM practitioners in one specific study were less neurotic and more open to new experiences, which okay. makes sense, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's neither good nor bad. They, they're yeah. not sh ashamed of what they're doing or embarrassed about what they're doing, right? Yeah, well, when it's, well, yeah, in the best case, absolutely, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I came across a study which was done in Quebec, actually, in 2014, and, you know, it was all about um, trying to research what are people's most common sexual fantasies. And they came up with a list both for men and women, the top 20. And the conclusion of the study was that there are a lot more common fantasies than atypical fantasies. So, for example, for women, having sex in a romantic location like a deserted beach um, or having sex with someone that I know who's not my spouse, being dominated sexually, um, having sex with three or more people, both men or women, or with a, a star or well-known persona, um, or with an unknown person. And then for men, um, similar, having sex with someone who I know who's not my spouse, having sex with two women, uh, romantic location like a deserted beach, men also like that, um, watching someone undress without him or her knowing, um, masturbating an unknown person. So in, in all of these cases, they put the uh, statistics next to him. And for almost all of these, at least 60% or higher of the people they surveyed mentioned these fantasies. Mm. So there, is there really no deviance or no nothing that's really abnormal to fantasize about? I mean, studies, again, would say that generally no. Um, again, as long as it's consenting adults, of course. Um, 
But no, I mean, also, uh, the important thing of fantasies is be, and I see this in clients who haven't been able to share it and they get so frustrated and so like anxious about certain things because it's such a deep part of us in a way, right? Sexuality. Um, so I think one of the important things with these fantasies is to have someone that you can talk to, right? Um, have someone that you can share them with. Now, ideally that would be your sexual partner. Um, but also in therapy, I have found that it's it helps people to just be able to tell someone, right? And even if go, it's a friend yeah. or yeah, yeah even a if stranger. it's a friend, if it's your psychotherapist, if it's you know whoever it might be, but just to be able to go because a lot of the times I get asked, "Am I crazy?" or "Am I right. you know Is there something dirty?" Wrong with something me? wrong yeah. with me, right? And and most of the time, these fantasies are very innocent. Um, and like similar to the ones you've you've read out so um, why why yeah. is there the shame then associated with them with, the, with sexual fantasies yeah, yeah. as um, if as if you're not allowed to have them or you're not supposed to have them but i think there's always been a little bit of shame around sexuality i mean um and a, a lot of people just won't talk about sex or stop whether they have deviant so-called deviant fantasies or whether they have a standard missionary position um people don't really talk about sex and it used to be that it's just for making babies. True, yes. Um, and there used to be the whole thing of, oh, women can't really orgasm or women don't really find pleasure. And these are all things that over time have now, we've moved away from those opinions, right? And and similarly, um, things like BDSM are in that category. We're slowly moving away from stigmatizing it, but there's still quite a fair bit to go, um, which is unfortunate because the stigmatization of it will cause so much shame for people and that does mess with your mental health uh, ultimately so. yeah and that people carry that throughout their lifetime and maybe pass it on to yeah. their children in their in their attitudes etc absolutely yeah. yeah okay so if somebody wanted to explore bdsm who if maybe they've been thinking about this but have never vocalized it or, or shared mm. it with anyone how what would be a healthy way to do that mm. um well, first of all, you know, seeking that conversation with the partner, assuming they have their partner that they want to try it with, um, seeking that conversation around sexuality in general. Because if, if you've never talked to your partner about sexuality, then that's probably not the first step to doing that. Um, but, you know, being becoming more comfortable with it, um, also becoming comfortable with your own desires and fantasies and understanding, you know, maybe trying them, them out for yourself. Um, individually during masturbation can help to get you an idea of you know what's actually what works for you what doesn't um, the two most important things really in a in a partnership with BDSM is to set the scene you know to, to make sure you start slow and 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 really um, create a story mm. um, and look for the feedback from the other person um, and then the other thing is obviously safety yeah. Um, safety is a key element of BDSM. If you're going to tie someone up, know how to untie them. If you're going to use, don't hand- throw the key to the padlock. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You're going to use handcuffs. Know where the key is. Um, you, these kind of things. Don't put things around people's throats. I mean, it's it's quite common sense, but it's also it depends, of course, on what your partner, um, what your partner's boundaries are as well. Because for some people, some things might be okay, and for others, they're not. So that's really important in a conversation, and really. It's important in any partnership, isn't it? It's yeah. just that BDSM sort of really brings that to the table because you don't want to be guessing, right? right? Exactly. Um, with your partner, or oh, are they going to like this or not? So that conversation should be sought out and clear from the start. 
um, which again would be great for any kind of any relationship, relationship actually yeah yes. any relationship yes. in fact yeah absolutely oh. and um, and it can giving up control or taking the responsibility of control can also very much enhance a bond between two partners um, so okay yeah. well Eslin thank you so much for talking about this uh, so so-called taboo topic uh, we've done it now it's out there <laughs> on the air um, it's been really interesting and thanks so much for sharing thank you for having me and we've been talking with Dr. Eslyn Terragina, who is a registered psychotherapist and chartered psychologist about BDSM and other sexual fantasies.